are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. We are here to discuss Legally Blonde, which came out in 2001 and was directed by Robert Luketic. MGM Pictures presents... Do you have a resume? It's pink. And it's Senate. I think it gives it a little something extra. A comedy about knowing who you are. You think she just woke up one morning and said, I think I'll go to law school today. And showing what you've got. We're defending Brooke Window. You can buy her exercise tapes on infomercials. Wait! Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. You're fired. What? I have new representation. Reese Witherspoon. Do you remember when we spent those four amazing hours in the hot tub after winter formal? This is so much better than that. Legally Blonde. Oh, look how cute. There's like a judge in everything. Love for It stars Reese Witherspoon, Selma Blair, Luke Wilson, Victor Garber, Matthew Davis, Ali Larder, Holland Taylor, and Jennifer Coolidge. The genre would be legal comedy. Just over 20 years after it first came out, this remains a very entertaining comedy, albeit it's quite silly for most of its runtime. Most of the performances are pretty broad. The story of a first-year law student who ends up as the chief defense attorney in a murder trial is pretty ridiculous. And just the whole vibe, including a very cloying, overwrought score, is very in-your-face bubbly. But what makes it so enjoyable is the central lead performance from Reese Witherspoon as uber-blonde SoCal sorority princess Elle Woods, who is the aforementioned law student trying to prove everyone wrong who just dismisses her as an empty-headed blonde. There's nothing I love more than a dumb blonde with daddy's plastic. <laughs> and he gets excited when Did he you just... see this one? We just got it in yesterday. Oh, is this low viscosity rayon? Uh, yes, of course. With a half-loop top stitching on the hem? Absolutely. It's one of a kind. It's impossible to use a half-loop top stitching on low viscosity rayon. It would snag the fabric. And you didn't just get it in. I saw it in the June Vogue a year ago. So if you're trying to sell it to me for full price, you picked the wrong girl. This is pretty much Reese's movie. And though she had had some pretty impressive star turns in some genuinely strong films before this, including Man in the Moon, Pleasantville, and Election, this was the role which made her a full-blown movie star. And for good reason. She's a joy to watch. Funny, sweet, endearing, and even sharper than she initially comes off. The whole film is briskly paced and quite charming. Highlights include a near-silent supporting performance from Jennifer Coolidge, who plays her best friend who works at the hair salon, and a pretty funny Allie Larder as the young trophy wife accused of murder who also happens to be Elle's former sorority sister and possesses a deep, dark secret about her fitness business. I have to tell you the real reason I came here. Professor Callahan says we really, really need your alibi. Oh, I can't. I mean, you don't understand. Who could understand better than me? It's so shameful. Whatever it is, Brooke, it could save you. No, that's just it. It would ruin me. How? 
I've made my fortune on the ability to perfect women's bodies with Brooke's butt buster workout. I know, you helped me go from a six to a four. It's great. Um, on the day of Hayworth's murder, I was getting <gasps> What? I was getting This is just a breezy good time with loads of pink, some dated humor, and a cute chihuahua named Bruiser. And that brings me to the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. That's the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film. Remember Hoku? Actually, remember the early 2000s when pop music was dominated by vapid, bouncy pop music from the likes of Britney, Christina, NSYNC, and the Backstreet Boys? They were the big ones, the household names who were unavoidable. Well, Hoku was a two-hit wonder who came along with the less thunderous second wave that followed them, along with Vanessa Carlton and Avril Lavigne. And this pop music trend persisted for a while, until the early 2010s, when Carly Rae Jepsen finally presented herself to the world and said, Hey y'all loading up the airwaves and iPods with sticky, sweet, disgustingly catchy pop beats that you'll never get out of your head. Have I got the song to finally load you up with so much earworm that you'll finally be able to clear this all out of your system? And that song was Call Me Maybe. And it did. But I digress. Anyways, back to Hoku. She had a pretty good bubblegum pop sound, and to her credit, her music and image was way less sexualized than her baby hit me one more time peers. And she performed a pretty good banger for this movie, which plays over the beginning and ending credits. And to earn such prominent placement, it would have to be a good song, right? Well, gratefully, it is. The song, of course, is Perfect Day. And it's got a pretty good bouncy hook and does a nice job of setting up both a suitably bubbly and life-affirming tone for the rest of the movie. Hoku provides some spunky vocals, and the guitar hooks are pretty catchy as well. Now try getting this one out of your head for the next 24 hours. Sun's up, it's a little after 12. Make breakfast for myself. And that brings me to the next category, which would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Luke Wilson has always been a pretty solid actor, and this same year, 2001, he gave a genuinely strong performance in the Royal Tenenbaums. So I know he's got the potential there. His lawyer character, Emmett, seems to serve a narrative purpose as a decent male lawyer who kind of works as a sounding board and advocate for Witherspoon's L. But why does he have to be made into a love interest in the third act, even though they actually don't give him anything romantic to say or do in relations to Elle? Now, he's fine in this, but his character either seems to be severely underwritten or they just had more of a romantic subplot with him that they just left on the cutting room floor. It's just kind of weird. You're not even really clear on their relationship until literally the last title card 
just before the credits really start, stating that he proposes to Elle after graduation. Why? Why does she even need to have a love interest when the whole purpose of the story is for Elle to find her true calling, independent of being in a relationship? The whole romance angle is just underdeveloped while also kind of undercutting her character. And of course, it's not even actually utilizing the charm that Wilson would certainly bring to a romantic subplot. So it's just a miss all around and a waste of his talent. Excuse me, are you okay? Yeah. Did I just put you on the spot like that, like all the time? The professors? Yeah, they, they tend to do that Socratic method. And so if you don't know the answer, they're just going to kick you out. So you have Stromwell, huh? Yes. Did she do that to you too? No. But she did make me cry once. I mean, not in class. I waited till I got back to my room. But yeah, she'll kick you right in the ball. Yeah, or wherever, you know. But uh, yeah, she's tough. Really tough. <sighs> and that brings me to the next category, which would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. If you're looking to sell this film to somebody, this is what you want to show them. Now, come on. Isn't it obvious? It's got to be the sequence where Elle shows her friend Paulette, played by Coolidge, along with the rest of the hair salon, how to properly court a guy with her now famous bend and snap technique. Yeah, no way. No way. I had you there, didn't I? <laughs> no, that scene is actually the low point of the film for me. But... I am just a sucker for a good old-fashioned montage with bouncy pop music playing throughout the background. That would be the sequence of Elle preparing to take the LSATs, while also showing us clips from the video essay that she puts together for her application to Harvard Law School. It's, of course, a nice showcase for the comedic talents of Miss Witherspoon. And what's nice is that while it seems initially to be indicating that Elle is kind of putting on a silly charade of pretending to be smart to impress the Harvard folks, it becomes increasingly obvious that she actually is quite smart despite the vapid verse impression that she might leave. Just a genuinely fun scene. Oh, hi. My name is Elle Woods, and for my admissions essay, I'm going to tell all of you at Harvard why I'm going to make an amazing lawyer. As president of my sorority, I'm skilled at commanding the attention of a room and discussing very important issues. It has come to my attention that the maintenance staff is switching our toilet paper from Charmin to generic. All those opposed to chafing, please say aye. Aye. I'm able to recall hundreds of important details at the drop of a hat. Hey, Elle, do you know what happened on Days of Our Lives yesterday? Why, yes, Margot, I do. Once again, we join Hope in the search for her identity. As you know, she's been brainwashed by the evil Stefano. And that brings me to the final category, the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Reese... Reese and Maurice. This is her movie, and she's what makes it work. Legally Blonde is the textbook definition of a, quote, star vehicle, and that I cannot imagine it working with any other actress at any other given time. Well, except maybe Goldie Hawn 30 years prior, like during her laugh-in days. But despite how silly all of this might seem on the surface, Witherspoon gives a genuinely strong performance here, which she was justifiably nominated for a Golden Globe for that year. She straddles a very fine line between appearing naive and well-intentioned, unlike, say, a Bill or Ted or Romy and Michelle, for that matter. Her Elle Woods is intelligent, but we just happen to be witnessing her learning curve into becoming a more independent and intelligent adult. Now, sure, not all the jokes land, and this film does play into several stereotypes involving Southern California, lawyers, blondes, brunettes, etc. But it's a well-intentioned, very entertaining piece of pop culture which has apparently endured for more than 20 years now. 
And just doing some doing some of the research on this film, I was kind of amazed to find out that not only was there a major Broadway musical adaptation of this story, and of course there was that one mess sequel, and there was also a direct-to-video sequel. But doing a deep dive during YouTube, I found videos of at least a dozen different high school productions of this story and or the musical version. Elle Woods is an icon, and as we have seen via several strong performances since this film, clearly so is Reese. Chenny, why is it that Tracy Marcinko's curls were ruined when she got hosed down? Because they got wet. Exactly. Because isn't it the first cardinal rule of perm maintenance that you're forbidden to wet your hair for at least 24 hours after getting a perm at the risk of deactivating the ammonium thyglocalate? Yes. And wouldn't somebody who's had, say, 30 perms before in their life be well aware of this rule? And if, in fact, you weren't washing your hair, as I suspect you weren't because your curls are still intact, wouldn't you have heard the gunshot? And if, in fact, you had heard the gunshot, Brooke Wyndham wouldn't have had time to hide the gun before you got downstairs, which would mean that you would have had to have found Mrs. Wyndham with a gun in her hand to make your story plausible. Isn't that right? My rating for Legally Blonde is three stars out of five. This is a fun movie. And as my wife slash producer has reminded me, not every film has to be about corrupt cops or, you know, Nazi dentist torturers or two desperate women on the run from the law who drive off a cliff. Some movies can just be fun, you know, just have a good time, you know, and that's what this movie is. So I would encourage you to check it out if you haven't already. It's currently streaming on Netflix. And that ends another fair review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.